Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. Welcome to another episode of the New England Society of Geeks podcast. And it is, of course, a special episode for It Is Time for Another Monthly Comics Cast. That, of course, means that in addition to me, your host, I will have, of course, the cosmic comic guru Dario on board. And you may be saying to yourself, hey, wait a minute. I noticed that this is part one. What's up with that? Well, I'll tell you. Um, we started a new segment this month um, in which we, Dario and I, and uh, sometimes the world's greatest sidekick, Paul, will be kind of looking back at older storylines um, from the past, from all different times, some of our favorite stuff. For example... This month, we are doing the Rise of the Midnight Suns, starring the Spirits of Vengeance, the Ghost Rider um, from the 90s with Johnny Blaze as, as his sidekick, <laughs> and uh, a few other characters. So, uh, we covered that storyline, which is six issues plus a few extra tie in issues, and um, it it kind of ended up being um in total with our regular reviews kind of a lengthy episode so we decided to split it up into two separate episodes um one this first episode you are listening to right now and then we will have part two coming out next week so this episode part one will be our regular monthly reviews and um uh, I think that'll be a fun one for you. We have some good reviews this month. And um, then tune in next week to part two to hear our discussion on the rise of the Midnight Suns. So there you go. Part one, our reviews. Part two, rise of the Midnight Suns. That'll be next week. So without further ado, let's get on to the episode. All right. Hey. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the New England Society of Geeks podcast. Now, it is that time, time for our monthly comics cast. Um, and that means that, of course, I'm Derek, and I have with me the cosmic comic guru, Dario. Hey, everybody. What's up? What's happening? What's shaking? Nothing new. Oh, right. Nothing new. Nothing new for me either, other than, you know, I am recovering from the, the plague. plague. I've been sick. I'm still a little sick, so if I cough at all, I apologize in advance. And while you were on your deathbed, I was in Florida, and huh? it wasn't even slightly warm. Uh, it was cold. Uh, I can't complain. because I was. Talking. But at least you got to go see Galaxy's Edge, right? No, I didn't. <laughs> 
Thanks. I tried. I really tried. Yeah, 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 yeah. And would I only be able to go for one day? And I can't, I can't, I can't afford to spend the three hundred dollars I would have spent. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> to get in the park, to get yeah. in. But the, you saw Harry Potter, right? Oh, um, hey. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't. What else? I've, I've been there already, but I would have, I would have gone again. You went to the Marvel Land. Marvel Land in my head. In Universal. <laughs> yeah. I don't think they're allowed to build that in, uh, actually, no, the Marvel Land Universal has been there for a while. Yeah, yeah, they've already built it because the rights are, so Universal has the rights. From what I understand, Universal has the rights for Marvel stuff east of the Mississippi. Okay. Which is for parks. Yeah, for parks. Stuff. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so that was, sounds like you had a fun trip. Oh, I did. Okay. Good, good to hear. Good to hear. All right. So. Let us begin with our reviews, um, and the first thing we want to do is give a spoiler warning, because we are probably going to spoil a few of these books, Absolutely. if not all of them. Yes. Um, so there you go, spoiler warning. So let's get to it, and you may go first. Thanks. Hooray. Hey. Okay, so I have a few books to talk about. Okay. Uh, first on my list is the newest iteration of Thor in his own book. It just came out a month ago. It's called Thor, and the creative team, I can find the page it's on, Marvel, and pretty much every company that to put it anywhere. Easy Wait, to find. I have it. Uh, Thor, written by Donny Cates. Yep. Uh, artist is Nick Klein. Yes. Colors, Matthew Wilson. Letters, VCs, Joe Sabino. Ooh, the cover artist, Olive, Olivier Koipel. Who I love, even though I probably just butchered his name. <laughs> and uh, Laura Martin. Laura Martin. Yeah. And various variant artists, too many to list. Oh, yeah, so many. Arthur Adams is one of as he usually does, which mm -mm. is good. Arthur oh, there's a Kirby one, too. I don't oh, know. Wow. I see the Kirby one. All right. So <clears> these, uh, these other variant covers actually end up becoming one in 25s and one right. the harder for Astro to get. Yeah, and that's always a pain in the tuchus. So I have not been following Thor's exploits uh very regularly in fact, I, I never have really have not read thor in a couple of years i don't remember i grew up yeah i, I grew up reading some kirby stuff mm -hmm. like here and there and having a hard time reading it because he's spoken these and thou yes right and then when walt simonson took over i read that because everybody loves beta ray bill oh yeah, yeah right and and frog of thunder right yep and then i read I read him when uh, he was replaced by uh, Thunderstrike, or the guy who would later become oh, Thunderstrike. Right, yeah. And I read Thunderstrike, and I stopped reading him for a long time. And then I read him when he was moved Asgard to Oklahoma. Did he move Asgard yes. to Oklahoma? Mm -hmm. I read some of that. That yeah, that was back in the New Avengers. And that was who? Time. Was, who was writing that at that time? It was a famous writer, the guy who wrote. Um, the guy who wrote uh, for TV. He wrote um, Babylon Five. Yeah, he wrote. It was it called Babylon 5? Yes. Yeah, he wrote that. Yeah. Uh, and I, I enjoyed that. And then... J. Michael Straczynski? Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah. Something like that? Yeah. Uh, you know, so I've I've been reading Thor, but not as closely as I have other titles. Right. And I read a little... I read some of the Jason Aaron run, but not all of it. The uh, Jason Aaron, is he the one who wrote when uh, uh, it was uh, Jane Foster? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's, oh, that's the last time I read it, yeah, when Jane Foster was Thor. What else has Johnny Cates written? I know I've read his work before. Venom. 
Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> Which, eh. Well, he's all about he's all about the uh, the venom the venom event going yeah. on right now and um, absolute carnage. Um, he created one of your favorite characters, the Cosmic Ghost Rider. Oh, I love that character. He's the best. I love him. He's so cool. <laughs> if he, oh, he's the best. <laughs> I hate him. <laughs> well, he's no Nightwing, but <laughs> he's not. <laughs> Who would want to fight? God, debate for a different day. <laughs> yeah, sure. Anyway. So, um, I decided to pick this up because it was issues one and two and it looked good. And, uh, the, the, the book picks up with Thor, um, as King of Asgard, uh, Asgard's changed a bit since the water realms event. And I don't quite know how that, that affected it, but right. water realms has, has changed it. I didn't really read. I think I read like the first one or two issues of war of the realms and that was it. Yeah. The book, the book opens up with us seeing his hammer. Can you pronounce the hammer's name? Mjolnir. 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 I never ever pronounce it right. Mjolnir. So uh, it's like, see. F- like, you know, fjord. Yeah. Okay. That makes so sense. it's like that, but it's Mjolnir. So Mjolnir is streaking across the seven realms, and each realm it goes over, there's a little bit of dialogue. The seven talk. realms? Uh, 15 realms. I thought there were nine. 17 realms. <laughs> 23 and a half. <laughs> so it's streaking across the many realms. <laughs> and every realm that goes over, there's a little blurb. It's a Thor kind of. Well, I just The only reason I said that is because I thought I thought there was there's nine realms, and I thought when you said seven, I was like, oh, did two of them get destroyed? <laughs> And I didn't know about it. Maybe no, War of the Realms or something. Just anyway, not numbers like I know what I'm talking yeah. about. Yeah, <laughs> continue. So the hand, the hammer is streaking across all the realms, and it's talking about some of the changes that have happened, or or just generalizing the the inner thoughts of Thor. Right. And eventually, he comes streaking down towards Earth, where we see that there's a giant kaiju monster in battle with the Avengers, and uh, the hammer just blasts right through its head, and it drops dead. And the Avengers are standing there, and they just see it. They, they see it fall to the ground. And Thor's Thor's hammer is sitting in a crater, and they all walk over and they're like, "Oh my god!" And they look and they see Thor's hammer there, and they're like, "Well, Tony Stark goes, well, somebody have a sharpie." <laughs> <laughs> and then we cut to Thor on the Rainbow Bridge, standing next to uh, uh, Lady uh, Lady Sif. Is it what it is? Yeah, Lady yeah. Sif, mm-hmm. who is now the guardian of the of the. Uh, the rainbow bridge. She has uh, the eyes where she can see everything. And so the hammer comes back, Thor grabs it. And then he looks at it and notices that Tony Stark wrote, wrote on it in Sharpie. Nice shot. Enjoy your retirement. <laughs> um, changes that Thor has made to Asgard is that he no longer has a grand palace. I mean, he's got an area that him and his people kind of hang out, but it's all outdoors. And uh, there's uh, he's, his uh, throne is carved into a tree, not the world tree, but it's carved into a tree. Mm. And, um, and he kind of rules from there, uh, but it becomes pretty quickly evident that Thor is not in his element as a, as a king. And I think we've seen this story happen repeatedly in the past. Whenever mm-hmm. he's king, eventually he's like, ah, I can't do this anymore. Right. Uh, but he's sitting on his throne. He sends out Volstagg because Volstagg wants to, you know, Volstagg's doing his job. Volstagg. You know, feeding people and that kind of stuff. I was going to say eating. Well, nah, well, he's just trying to figure out how much ale to get for the party that they're going to throw. Uh, yeah. and Thor sends him away. He's like, I'm not. I don't even want to do anything right now. And I don't care. Just pick some. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. And then Loki comes in. And Loki is uh. looks kind of like the younger Loki that we had seen before. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So Loki's changed his appearance a lot over the last few years. And a lot of it's been influenced by the movie. 
Right. Um, so he went from the original Loki with the big hook nose and the giant horns yeah. to a younger Loki that matched more the one from the movies. And he, he has and at woman. one time been a child. Yeah. And a woman. Yeah. So is is it? I don't quite know what his particular situation is, but we do know that he is the king of uh, the land that the ice giants come from. So he comes to talk to his brother, and it's, at first you think it's going to be a casual conversation between brothers, but then Thor very quickly after you know Loki gets his initial sentence or like paragraph out, uh, Thor is like, "Is it is it no longer customary for 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 visiting kings to to bow to the?" Ah. The, you know, the king of the realms. So Loki's like, all right, fine. It's going to be like that. But while this is all going on, uh, Thor. I like I like how after that, though, there's one panel of Loki just looking at him like, you son of a. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, this is, I mean, art, the way the art flows in this book, it's really, really good. I mean, mm, and yeah. it's, it's what's really drawing me to it. So Thor is like, I'm done with this. I don't even want to talk to Loki. And that's when we notice that Thor is having difficulty picking up the hammer now. So he goes right, to pick yeah. it up. He just kind of gives a little grunt. And, uh, he, you know, he picks it up. He starts walking out. And then, of course, Loki's going to make a little jab at him. Mm-hmm. He's like, oh, I noticed that the hammer's getting a little heavier these days, eh? Uh, but Thor proves that, that he's still king by threatening Loki. Yeah. Uh, so the the book kind of gives us a, uh, an update as to kind of what's going on with Thor in, in the realms. And then uh, then we get into the meat of the story. It, very quickly, when, Th- when Thor's walking out to see his people... There's a crash, a boom, and Galactus crashes on Asgard, and he's looks like he's almost dead. The we we very quickly learn that uh, the history for those readers who are not familiar with Galactus, we kind of learn his history by Loki and other people talking about just in general, um, you know what they know of him. They know that he was a man called Galen who existed in a different universe. Right. He's the last surviving member of that universe who was destroyed by that was destroyed by some great calamity. Uh, and when he uh, made it to this universe, when it was just being formed, he was infused with cosmic energies and he kind of incubated for long periods of time. And eventually he became a force of nature and is meant to kind of propagate the life death cycle. He mm-hmm. destroys the planets, but everything's supposed to keep going in circles. Right. Uh, so since Galactus is badly hurt, uh, they're trying to figure out what's going on. We find out that the the Great Winter, I think is what they call it, or the the final winter. Great Black Winter. The Great Black Winter is, is has arrived and is what has um, almost killed Galactus. Uh, Thor calls a meeting of all the existing heralds, or oh. any of the heralds that mean anything. And yeah, I know. I don't quite know how he's at this table. <laughs> Cosmic Ghost Rider is sitting at this table. I don't know how he's at this table. Would you Donnie look Cates. at that? <laughs> Donnie Cates loves his own character. Sure. Huh? <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna mention. <laughs> I'm going to mention this one. I reviewed a Superman book that I'm going to talk about shortly. That writers like to like to like to insert their their characters into scenes, right? Even though they really need to be there, right? Yeah. <laughs> so uh, Thor is uh, sitting at the head of a table of the um, of the heralds of Galactus, and we have uh, characters I don't really remember. Who's the lady that looks like a fish? Like if you had asked me ten years ago or twenty years ago, I would have told you I remember her because I I've seen her as a herald of Galactus. I. I'm not familiar with her. There's Nova. I recognize Nova. There's, Nova. of course, there's um, uh, um, Silver Surfer, who's not silver anymore. That, oh, oh, wow. Well, okay. you didn't notice that the Silver Surfer's I not didn't, silver? No, I did not realize that. Yeah, there's an event that just happened, a miniseries with him called right. Silver Surfer Black. Yeah, and which... he's infected with something that has to do uh, with the venom 
storyline? I think that was written by Donny Cates. It was. It was too. definitely written by Donny Cates. And this is all interconnected with that Venom mm. storyline. Right. Um, so there's there's uh, Silver Surfer Black is what I think they're calling him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a big oh. hulking guy who I, I think was I, only a herald for like a very short period of time. Uh, yeah, I'm not familiar with him. Um, Fire Lord's there. That's not Fire Lord. Um, you're talking about this guy right here in the corner that the, our, our no, listening audience can see. Right there. No, no, that's not Fire Lord. That's um, that's Nova. That's a woman. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. So anyway, they're all they're, they're the ones who kind of inform the reader about the history of Galactus and kind of what happened to him. So the 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 final Black Winter has arrived and is here to destroy the Marvel universe as we know it. Trying to figure out what how to stop it. And uh, Galactus has the best chance of doing so since he's um, had to deal with it in the past already. Mm. So they all decide that they have to help Galactus. And Civil Surfer shows up and says, I, I, I can help get Galactus to four planets that will be enough to give him enough power to fight this thing. It'll be enough to heal him and it'll be enough to, to help him fight this thing. Because a long time ago, Silver Surfer found four planets that were so powerful, like in nurturing ability for him, mm-hmm. that he kind of hid them from Galactus because mm-hmm. he didn't want them to have it. Right. So kind of like <laughs> in The Force Awakens when, you know, they were trying to find that map to Luke. <laughs> They're trying to find a map to these planets. Right. But uh, so they all decide, all right, Silver Surfer will take Galactus to these planets and Thor will go with them to kind of help him along the way. And as they approach Galactus and are, are kind of explaining the situation to him, uh, Ooh. Galactus just is like, all right, that's fine. It's, it's a great plan, actually. Uh, but you're not taking me. Yeah, his arm's missing. Galactus's arm is missing. Wow. He goes, you're not, you, uh, Silver Surfer, you're not going to take me. Thor's taking me. And he just blasts Thor with the cosmic energy and turns him into his herald, like totally against his will. Eh. So that's how the first issue ends. Uh, the first issue ends with Thor... Uh, suddenly getting hit with the co- with the cosmic power and ari- and arising as the herald of thunder. <laughs> Whoa. And he's very cosmic looking. Like if Thor wasn't already like, <laughs> a like crazy. powerful looking. He's got eighties hair. <laughs> <laughs> so if I thought for a first issue, that was really strong and a, a really good start. And it interested me a lot. Um, issue two came out last week and I had heard rumor that mm-hmm. it was going to start with the destruction of a universe, which you may or may not have heard about. Um, I don't remember. Maybe so I might have. But anyway, the black they, they basically are, are are focusing on a planet, but a black the the black winter shows up and starts destroying things. And they talk about how when uh, the the people need, they start crying out to their gods, and they start crying out to their heroes. And in this particular world, has both gods and heroes in it. And if you look carefully, I'm going to hand this over to you. So this page shows uh, humans starting to die from the sudden appearance of the final winter. And then we see a very familiar looking giant globe on top of a building. Oh, yes. I did hear about this. A blue and red streak through the air. And they talk about how uh, a trinity of heroes has appeared. And it is is a a creature from a hero from another planet. And uh, uh, a night dark. Uh, uh. <laughs> a king from the seas is basically to talk about it's a dc universe right um <laughs> and within two pages it's destroyed gone <laughs> marvel's i did hear about that yeah. marvel's destroyed what's right is an aspect of the dc universe in thor 
so that being said um it's 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 a way for them to show that this uh this thing that they're all going to fight against is no joke um then we jump ahead to thor hovering over with the first planet that he wants to have galactus consume mm. and uh Galactus is kind of getting his machine together and he's still badly hurt and he's still missing an arm. And, mm. uh, and Thor turns around and says, Nope, you're not eating this planet. Galactus is like, I am eating this planet. And Thor is like, when I brought you here, I thought it was uninhabited. This is an inhabited planet. Oh boy. So then they get in a big fight. Uh huh. So Thor, Thor throws his hammer at Galactus and like wrecks him. It like goes right through his hand and knocks off fingers and stuff oh, like wow. that. <laughs> and then he's like, and then when it comes back, it goes through his leg and like shatters Galactus' <laughs> knee. So he just starts beating the beating the the living heck out of Galactus. Wow! And then he flies down to the planet in an attempt to uh, communicate to the natives while Galactus is trying to figure out, you know, you know what he can do right. to kind of stop Thor from turning against him. And then all the people on the planet, all to to them, all they're seeing are these gods appear in the sky and start battling each other. Mm-hmm. So all the people start attacking Thor, thinking they can do something. Mm. So. Thor is being brought down just by the sheer mass of people. Right. And while that's going on, um, Galactus has had time to finish building his planet devouring machine. And Thor's only hope is to call out the Sith and have, uh, have her just start teleporting people, you know, using the rainbow bridge off right. the planet. Right. 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 So they bring all, they bring as many people as they can to Asgard so they can survive. And then Galactus consumes a planet. Mm. Then we go back and forth with some backstory here. Uh, but ultimately, we find out that um, in the I don't know if many different ways that writers have written Galactus. Sometimes he just consumes the energy from the planet, but the planet's still there. And this one, he just decimates the entire planet. It just becomes ash. It's right, gone. Right. Yeah. And so Thor's like, I. Was- I've also I've also seen um, he breaks apart the planet and uses it for like his ship and and oh yeah machine yeah and everything. Yeah, so yeah, no, yeah. this this just goes directly right. into him. There's a there's a page in the book where they show just how powerful it, it that one planet has made Galactus. It was enough to make his arm grow back. It was enough to repair his leg. Oh, yeah. And he's literally glowing. Yeah. But it's still not enough. Actually, it kind of looks kind of cool. Though. Yeah, that's a great picture. It's it's yeah. very Kirby-esque, I think, that picture. I did not know about it. Oh, the, the ad for Giant Size? Mm. And what makes me wonder if it's... Oh, it's a Jonathan Hickman book. Mm. All right, well, um, so, while Galactus is getting ready to get you know, get his machines back in order and head to the next planet. Uh, he gets blasted with this energy and it was enough, it's a, enough of an explosion to kind of send Thor, you know, head over heels. And when he comes get kind of writes himself, we find out that he gets, uh, the person, the person that showed up to, to fight Galactus and stop the Herald of Galactus is our favorite hero. Eh. Beta Ray Bill. Beta Ray Bill. And he's not on his own. He has a <laughs> ship with him. Can you remember the name of his ship? I forgot. It is uh, nope. Scuttlebutt. I don't think it's Scuttlebutt. It might be. Maybe. Uh, I I don't remember. Yeah, I think it might be. Um, but anyway, he's got a ship with him, and it was a ship that blasted Galactus. Now, the last time I saw Beta Ray Bill was in Guardians of the Galaxy. Oh yeah, which I think was also written by Donnie Cates. It was. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me wonder if he's in charge of the cosmic. I'm, aspect I know. I was gonna say I'm seeing a pattern here. So, did I enjoy these books? I did. I enjoyed them quite a bit. Uh, what did I enjoy about them? I loved the art. I thought the story was it's written well. I thought the flow for the book was good. Mm. I think that the, the 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 end game or the bad guy that they have to go against is interesting. It's a cosmic force, not a necessarily a person. Right. Um, 
and the ch- the 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 chance for us to see characters like Beta Ray Bill and Thor and other heralds of Galactus possibly come back. I like to see more Silver Surfer in this book. Mm. Um, I don't know if it was Johnny Cates or it was somebody else that wrote the miniseries that came out a few months ago. That might have even been like six months ago. I think it was sometime in 2009, um, which would be, but anyway, mm. yeah. <laughs> um, there's a story that they, that is written about Thor in the future. And we find out that, and they, they actually mentioned it they mentioned it in this, that the final battle between Galactus the final battle that Galactus has before he dies is against Thor mm. and Galactus. For some, I think for, for some reason he knows that Thor is going to be one that kills him at the, in the end. Oh, so right. they're, they're building a connection, like a much stronger connection between those two characters and as it has never has been. Right. <clears throat> um, Interesting. Yeah. I like this book a lot. I think the coloring and everything was really good. Um, if uh, going to our gauntlet, I'm going to give it a five. Five gems. Okay. Now, before you continue on. Yes. Um, I do not, I'm not actually going to be reviewing any books this episode, but because um, our old friend Paul, the world's greatest sidekick. The world's greatest sidekick. Yes. He wanted to be a part of the episode, but he couldn't be here to record, but he sent me a rather lengthy um. 23 pages of notes <laughs> on his reviews, the books he's going to review, one of which was Thor number one. Um, so here's what he had to say okay. about Thor number one. And this is, this is, I will read it as he has written it down. Okay. All right. I don't want to give away too much. Actually, put, I don't want to give away too much, but <laughs> I think you made all way. Yeah. Um, I'll, I'll say this. Loved it. Loved the last page. Can't wait for issue number two. Um, which I just talked about. He didn't realize was out, I guess. He hasn't been to the store yet. Then he wrote, six Infinity Stones. Ooh. He said, yeah, for a, a number one issue, six. Yeah. And then he said, Dario, deal with it. <laughs> but you gave it a five, so. I almost I mean, gave it a six. There you go. So. All right. Excellent. So a six from Paul, a five from Dario, though almost a six. Right. So when I was when I was when I was mentally rating it, I was like, "Is there a six? I go, "I think out of the gate, five is really good." Mm-hmm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really. Well, I mean, the best is obviously the full gauntlet. Yeah. Yeah. But but that's a very rare thing. Yeah. Where a book just knocks it out of the park. Right. Yeah. Um, but a five is semi rare where it's something that's so good. You're like, I'm instantly, this is, I'm, you know, like, like that where you just instantly like yep. this, I want to read this. I want to continue with it. I loved it. So it's not a book I initially was going to pick up either. I mean, it came out and it was on the shelf at the store and I had kind of right. walked past it and kind mm-hmm. of looked at it, gave it a little side eye. Oh, mm-hmm. it's Thor. Wonder if I should read that book. Yeah, maybe I'll check <laughs> it out later. So. <laughs> and, and. For me, like, I'm not a huge Thor fan. I'm kind of lukewarm on Thor. Yeah. I love him, and, like, he's another character that I love in, like, team books, like, oh, yeah. when he's on Avengers and yep. stuff. Yep. But his own solo stuff, I'm like, eh. And Donny Cates. He's good or bad? I'm, yeah, he's, like, I don't know, like, sometimes, some of his stuff I've liked, and then some of his stuff I'm like, eh. He wrote the Thanos book that. 
introduced Cosmic Ghost Rider. Yes, which that, that I liked. Guy, that got a lot of really good reviews. That was good, yeah. But, like, the Venom stuff, uh, the absolute carnage. Uh, but if you were a Venom fan, like, I don't know how much of a Venom fan you are, but if you're a Venom yeah, fan or a, car- or a Carnage fan, more yeah. so a Carnage fan, which I can't understand how people like Carnage, but... Uh, <laughs> It was insanely popular in our store. Yeah. Insanely sure. popular. Yeah. So. And his Guardian stuff was cool. So I'm kind of up and down with him. Yep. So that right, you know, there, I was like, meh. Anyway. I like the I like the fact that Marvel has somebody that's kind of focusing on mm, the, the bigger the, cosmic, the bigger yeah. scale stuff. Right. I mean, they've been doing it for a while, but uh, they usually pick one person to kind of guide that. Right. So I think they got the right guy. Mm. Okay. All right. So next piece we're going to go on to is uh, issues 17 and 18 of Superman from DC Comics. Which I have not read, read yet. Do you, still read, do you still read Superman? I wasn't mm-hmm. sure if it was something you, you read on a regular basis. I, yeah. So. Uh, well, again, I'm way behind on everything. So This is the beginning of a storyline called The Truth, and I'll get into that in a minute. That's ah. actually a prologue. Uh, the writer is Brian Michael Bendis. Mm-hmm. The artist for uh, issue 17 is Kevin McGuire, hmm. and uh, colors are by Paul Mounts, and letters are from David Sharp, and the cover artist is Ian Rice, um, and then there's other variant cover artists and all oh, that. Oh, it looks like that was easy to find. What do you mean? The, oh, yeah, the, I was right in the, the, was, <laughs> right in the, right in the second that's page. It's becoming very rare these days where you can find the, the listing. I didn't have to flip nine pages <laughs> in to find it. Wait until, I look, wait until we talk about Daphne Byrne. I couldn't find this, the, the list of those creators. Like, oh, when wow. I was reading it, I'm like, where, where who did work for this book? <laughs> so, my, that's Marvel, excuse me. DC just came off of a, um, a Superman storyline that mm. kind of introduced Brian Michael Bendis is a writer of the book, and he wrote most of last year, I think, mm-hmm. or a good portion of last year for Superman. Um, yeah, I think almost the whole, maybe the whole year. Yeah, he might have written the whole year, and it was it was kind of it brought in it brought in Cal uh, Cal's dad Jor El, uh, who was time displaced. We had to deal with that. Right. It brought it it, it aged up his son John mm, from right. an infant to a teenager, so right. he could become Superboy. Mm-hmm. Um, where we had to deal with. Uh, uh, the event Leviathan uh, aftermath and right, kind of right, what was right. going on with that. But a lot of Superman, was, this book was focusing on leading into the Legion of Superheroes or, right, 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 or right. The, uh, the, the historical events that would lead towards the Legion of Superheroes forming. Which I, I still haven't read that book, but. Uh, I was never a Legion. I, I, yeah, me. Legion either. and Thor are kind of the same for me. Like I would me read too, them, but right? I wouldn't read them on a regular basis, that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Uh, again, another book that has a lot of fan base in the store that, that was just coming in. Like, I want to get the new Legion when mm. it starts. I want to get the new Legion when it starts. So there are people out there that love it. So last year was all that. I think Paul might be one of them. Yeah, I think he is. Uh, this year, from what I gather, this is all guesswork as a fan. Uh, it's going to be a long-term storyline where Superman has decided after lots of careful thought that he wanted to... No longer have a secret identity. Right, right. He's announced to the world that he is Clark Kent, and, you know, come what may, that's that cat's out of the bag. And that was, was that in December? Yeah, no. They did? Um, No, I don't remember now. uh, Yeah, yeah, because we're still in January. So that would have been been December. So, basically, this first issue, um, issue 17 of Superman, 
deals with him, you know, kind of wrapping up. They're forming the Federation of Planets that's going to lead towards the Legion of Superheroes. Star Trek? Yeah, almost. <laughs> I don't think it's called the Federation of Planets, but more or less. You right, guys know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. Uh, the, they had all interacted briefly with the Legion of Superheroes who came back in time to help celebrate the event that forms their their, their unity. Mm-hmm. And they're like, hooray! But they showed up a few minutes too early. So they're all like, who are you guys? <laughs> like, oh, we're too early. <laughs> Whoops. <laughs> Which is kind of neat. But um, so he spent a lot of time thinking about the truth and how it impacts him and how it impacts other people and whether or not he even needs to have a secret identity anymore. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of inner monologue and in thinking about making this decision going on. He goes to Lois, talks to her. Um, let me just flip through it real quick because I know he spends a lot of time trying to d- decide, you know, with Lois if he's going to, you know, how this is going to impact other people. Um, there's a. I'm just going to keep saying it over and over. And this whole issue is him trying to decide whether or not he should come forward and admit to the world that he is Clark Kent. Yeah. And then there's also uh, a brief like superhero thing where he's like, he, def- he, he beats a bad guy in two pages. Mm-hmm. Like there's an evil organization that's going to do something. And Superman shows up and it's like, Oh, I just took care of that. And mm-hmm. then he goes back to the story, right, yeah. <laughs> which in a way it, uh, Bendis did this a bunch of times last year where, where, Superman and uh, Martian Manhunter would have, be having a conversation, like a really meaningful conversation. Right. And then kal would be like, wait a minute. <laughs> and then come back and be like, oh, hold that thought. There's nothing to put out a fire. <laughs> so, and we've already talked in the past how Bendis likes to do a lot of people talking instead of the action and all that stuff. It's where right. His, well, yeah, that's, that's where, where his strengths are. Yeah. That's yeah. what he's known for. Yeah. It's one of the things I do like about him, but. So. He goes around and, and uh, Superman talks to the people most important to him first: his wife, Supergirl, and surprisingly enough, Zod. He he goes and talks to Zod. Really? <laughs> yes. Because now that now that there's a unity with all the planets, and Zod is uh, became an ally during their fight against uh, um, oh Zod, Rogozal, whatever his name is. Yeah, whatever it um, was. Yeah. So I think became, that was yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. He became an ally during that, and they decided that. As being the last remaining Kryptonians, they were going to do everything they could to kind of bring Krypton back. Mm-hmm. And there are other scattered Kryptonians out there. So Zod's in charge of them. And Superman has a lot of trust in him. Right. And and and, and guiding these people. So they're allies at this point. It's something you never thought you'd Right. I think it's I think it's interesting. We'll see if it lasts. Um I always like it when a when a when a villain is less villainous and mm. more of a, a a deeper character. Right. Like they did it with Sinestro. I thought it was great. And they did it yes. with Doctor Doom. I mm-hmm. thought it was great. So, all, you know, Doctor Octopus was a superior Spider-Man. Yes. So, you guys all know how I feel about that. So, this first issue is basically all that. And then it ends with, uh, it ends with Superman, like, going, all right, I'm going to reveal it to the whole world. And then we go to issue 18, which I wonder if this has the same creative team. Uh, so the uh, same creative team, except Whoa, for right on the first page, <laughs> <laughs> right on the first page, the same creative team, except for the writer, the artist is their semi-regular artist. And that's, uh, Ivan, Ivan Ray. Mm. He's pretty good. I'm missing an issue here. This is issue 19. I am missing an issue here. <gasps> I'm missing an issue here. So I did read it. It's issue 18. Okay. Um, so I'll go for, I'll talk about issue 18 from memory. Whoa. Issue eighteen is a lot of a lot of hugging. It's exactly <laughs> what I remember. It's uh, it's 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 <laughs> Superman going. So the first the seventeen is him talking to Lois and Supergirl and Zod. Issue 
18 is him talking to, uh, revealing his identity to the people most important, important to him first. So he yeah. goes to Perry White and he tells Perry White privately that uh, he's Superman. And it's a, yeah. it's a, it's a, it's a page with no dialogue at all. Is this Clark walking into his office? You see him talking. He rips his shirt open. Eh. And remembers he forgot to put his costume on. Oh no! no. <laughs> <laughs> My chest hair. <laughs> and then and then Perry goes over, gives him a hug, and we find out later in the book that part of their conversation was after he revealed it, and they had their whatever talks they had about the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Is that he gave he gave uh, the Daily Planet the exclusive, of course. Sure. For yeah. revealing a secret identity. It would kind of. And that Perry would have to bring everybody to their, like, like they did the big announcement at the footsteps of the Daily Planet, and they invited all the press, and they did all this stuff. And so that was not, like I said, it wasn't part of that page of no dialogue, but they talk about it after the fact. Right. Then he goes and uh, talks to a few other people that are very important to him. Uh, surprisingly enough, they don't show his parents. His parents are alive now because of Doomsday Clock. And, uh mm. The way stuff is written and the delays with Doomsday Clock, I don't even know if Michael Bendis, Brian Michael Bendis, even knows that his parents, that his parents are alive again. Yeah, maybe. So, yeah. Um, but they, they do the big announcement. They show the whole world watching in awe. They're trying to figure out. They know it was a big Superman announcement, um, and he just tells everybody that he's Clark Kent. And then they show the reaction of all the of all the Justice League and all the people that are like they're all clapping. It's all hooray. Yeah, sure. Yeah. And and then it ends with uh Except for probably Batman who's just like mm. No. <laughs> Batman's smiling. Oh yes. huh. yeah. Uh Robin's in the background going, Yeah. It's like everyone's super, <laughs> super supportive of this whole thing. It's just pretty funny. Uh, uh, and then it ends with the Legion of Doom. And the Legion of Doom is uh having a meeting as they often do. Sure. And uh Lex Luthor in a in a in a storyline going on in Justice League right now, uh, has evolved into a greater being. Mm. He's somehow absorbed the Martian Manhunter's shape changing abilities or something like that. Right, and he's a he's a Apex Luther or something mm-hmm. like that. So he uh, they see the announcement and it, it 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 shocks him so much that he that he shifts from Apex Luther back to regular luther and he's just <laughs> plotting now i actually you know i, I might have talked about that in the last podcast because this sounds all very familiar or else i talk about it Maybe. a lot with people at the store yeah uh but and then is so that being said uh now we go to issue 19 uh and issue 19 is exactly what i just told you where it's a lot of hugging <laughs> um it's it's the aftermath of his revealing the revealing himself to the world uh superman's on the job. He's in a meeting with Perry White and Lois and Jimmy in their office and he's not wearing his glasses. And uh Perry's, I, mean, I guess he doesn't need to anymore. Right. Perry's Perry's talking to him about uh about various things. He's like, All right, I told the editor, um, we uh we have a bunch of things that we have to worry about. Uh he's like, first that uh, our insurance is gonna go sky high. He goes because huh. insurance companies are now thinking that every every villain in the universe is going to attack our our, our building. Sure, sure. And Lois That's is valid. And Lois is like, how is that any different than every other day during the week? It's like ever since <laughs> Superman has been around, like villains have attacked our building. Well, that's also valid. <laughs> and then she's like, and now we know that he's here at all times. So basically, Superman is on the premises. <laughs> So who's going to attack this building? It's essentially the safest building in the world. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, 
and then what's the other thing they talk about um oh so they basically talk about insurance for a little while he's like all right he goes everybody you know we're, we're very supportive of 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 uh clark of you revealing your identity of the world he goes but i have to fire you so he gets fired ah and clark's like it's not fine how do you do i know <laughs> clark's like really and then and then uh after like a minute he goes now that i've fired you he's like i would like to extend the invitation to kal-el to be formally hired by the daily planet ah. because i can't have hired clark kent if he sure. doesn't exist right. so it's like haha gotcha <laughs> <laughs> You see what I did there, little joke, joke. Oh, Perry. And then, so that that whole thing goes down, and then they're like, all right, the Daily Planet's going to lean in hard with this uh, Superman as part of our team and all that stuff and make it part of their advertisement. Um, And then, of course, the lawyers are just outside the window watching this whole thing go down. Mm. And uh, they they make some jokes about about typos. He's like, uh, like, now that I know you're Superman, you can't tell me you're going to be late. With any kind of your any of your jobs, he's like all these times you told me you were not going to be able to hand something in in time was probably because you were covering for somebody. He goes, <laughs> but I know you can type for super speed, so I oh, want the work. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> and then uh, and then Clark goes out into the bullpen and uh, goes to goes to meet everybody in the bullpen. And these three pages or these two pages is exactly what I said. It's like just people hugging him. It's like, hey, oh, yeah. Clark, hug. <laughs> And then they show a scene where he's flying over Metropolis and he's kind of listening to see if anything's going on and everyone's clapping. And this is uh, not, you, not, not Derek, not that you flipped to this uh, centerfold page, which where he, he, so he's he leaves naked. A, <laughs> he's not naked. <laughs> centerfold. <you know. laughs> he, uh, he leaves the daily planet after, after, you know, talking to everybody in the bullpen, he flies to Metropolis and everyone's supporting him and clapping and he kind of saves a cat out of a tree or whatever. Right. And then he goes to, justice league headquarters and is expecting who knows what from the justice league members and he walks in and everyone's there clapping and as you look around harley quinn's <laughs> as you look as you look around this this double spread image of all the justice of all the justice league characters gather around the table you see the people you expect to see wonder woman batman sure aquaman right martian man out there Harley Quinn. And Harley Quinn, yeah. <laughs> Why is she there? Oh, I don't wait. Know. Naomi's <laughs> there, too. Naomi's not a member of the team. Yeah, I just saw her. Where'd she go? <laughs> She's over on this side of age. Man Bat's over here. Man Bat. Well, yeah. Man Bat's unjustly dark, I yeah. think, though. <laughs> Metamorpho. <laughs> well, yeah, Metamorpho. Was he ever in the Just League? Yes. I don't think he- he was. He was a member of the Justice League? Back in the international days. Oh, that's good. That's right. That's right. Plastic no, Plastic Man, Man but that's... Swamp Thing. <laughs> it took me a minute to, to figure out why Swamp Thing and Man Bat were there. And I'm like, oh, yeah. There's Just, parts of yeah. Justice League Dark. But right. Harley and Naomi don't need to be there. No. <laughs> Naomi's there only because Bendis created them. Created her. Right, yeah. <laughs> and Harley's only there because she's got a movie coming out this month. <laughs> <laughs> sure, yeah. <laughs> Oh, there she is. Yeah, I'm. That's an that's an interesting one. But nothing else happens in this issue. There's just a lot of a lot of people slapping them on the back and saying good job. And then they and then they have to have an action scene. And the action scene is deep in space. The United Federation of Planets. We know that's not the name. Right. They're all they're they're, they're kind of scoping out a planet to become their main base. And uh, Mongol Mongol shows up mm. and and tries to beat everybody up. 
And then Superman, as you do, being him, is like, danger on another planet. <laughs> flies over. <laughs> flies over there and, and beats up beats up Mongol. And he flies over, he sees Mongol, he says, by the way, I'm Clark Kent. Bam. <laughs> You're out. I'm not, I'm not lying to anybody anymore. <laughs> so that's what that is. Now, so basically, these three issues. Nothing happens. Boil down to Clark trying to decide if he wants to actually i guess you can't call him clark anymore yeah superman trying to decide if he wants to reveal yeah superman revealing yeah. and worrying about what everybody's gonna think yeah and then superman finally revealing and everybody giving him hugs yeah nothing happens it's it's <laughs> they're the most <laughs> they're the most boring issues that i read my entire life all right so with that being said what are you gonna rate it <laughs> um i What's a what's what's a just a, a a neutral is a four right or is it a three? Uh, I think a neutral is a three. Three, yeah. We'll go to three. Uh, I I have to give it a three. I mean, I love this. I, I like the story. I love the art. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens for three issues. That seems a bit much. <laughs> three issues. For three yeah. issues. Yeah. So uh, yeah, I got to give it a three. No. Okay. I also am officially no longer collecting Superman. <laughs> But I'm still buying it off the shelf, <laughs> so, so I guess I'm still buying it. Just, it's just not on the sub list. I took it off my sub list, but I have not missed an issue yet. So that means I've been reading Superman my whole life. So I just, I've been reading some really bad Superman stuff my whole life. Yeah. I don't think I'm ever going to stop, but I, I, I make my point by taking it off my list. Shh. I'm still pull it off the shelf. <laughs> and I don't know what point that is, but yeah, sure. We'll go with that. All right, so now uh, I got two more books left, and we'll, these will be kind of quick, I think. From DC Comics, from uh, the comics curated by Joe Hill, mm. known as Hill House Comics, right? Is issue one of Daphne Byrne. Daphne. Now I know the creative team just by looking at a different cover, but I have to dig in pretty deep to find out who did what, and I find it on the third page. Ah, oh, DC, you failed. <laughs> It is written by... We'll blame La- Joe Hill for that. <laughs> yeah, I would too. It is written by Laura Marks. It is uh, drawn by the great Kelly Jones. And colors are by Michelle Madsen. And lettering is by Rob Lee. And You had trouble with Lee? Well, I, I didn't know if, if that was... <laughs> I, I couldn't tell if that was a G or a different letter. Ah. Um, could have been a C or a G. Okay, sure. And uh, the cover is by Piotr Jabaluski. Got that one. Sure. I'll say I got that one. <laughs> yeah, you assume. <laughs> so I'm a big fan of Kelly Jones's art. Yes. Um, yeah. I mean it's it's unique and kind of kind of scary. I mean he's pretty pretty consistent for doing kind of a horror horror things. I yeah. liked his dead man an awful lot back in the day. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, so fitting for Yeah, absolutely. This is set in 1886 hmm. in New York City. And it is about a young girl named Daphne Byrne we find out uh is an odd young girl who attends a school with kind of like you know how little house of the prairie there was if you'd ever seen little house in the prairie i'm older than you um many many moons ago there was uh there's you know those the 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 mean girl in class Mm -hmm. who might not have really been mean she was just a mean little girl sure yeah so there's some mean girls in class that tease that tease daphne and we find out from listening from their teasing is that is that Daphne's family has uh, suffered a loss. Her, her father has died somewhat mm. recently, um, 
that rumor has it is that their family no longer has money. The um the second page, the third page. Those are some very intense facial expressions. Oh yeah, I yeah. like that. Yeah, when so this is the the, the scene he's talking about is uh, Daphne's in school and she's just working on a paper craft project of like paper dolls and that kind of stuff, and she's just listening to these girls teaser in the background, mm-hmm. like they're talking loudly about her so she hears them. But the entire time she's like, "Don't let them." Know. She's saying to herself, "Don't don't show any sign that you hear them because if if they think that." I hear them and they know I'm upset, then they're not going to stop. Right. So that's why, but but in her intense look that you were just mentioning, she's like chopping up those paper dolls. (laughs) She chops off the head, chops off the arms. (laughs) It was very intense. Mm -hmm. But anyway, her father has died. Her rumor, rumor has it is that the family no longer has any money, uh, that her mother is somewhat odd or it was becoming odd. Uh, and they can't even afford their own coachman anymore. So that's that's I guess that's a big deal back in the eighteen hundreds, um, and so she goes home and she's kind of thinking to herself how much she misses her dad. Um, she finds a rock and we find out that she knows about um, metallurgy or well, not metallurgy, just like like different types of rocks and all that stuff. I don't know what the science called um, geology. Geology, yeah. Mm. She knows about that. She goes visit her father's grave and it's very quickly shown that she you know, really misses her dad. And, uh, her mom in the meantime is visiting, a uh, um, a seance lady. What are they mm. called? Is that what they're called? Like a, a psychic. A psychic. A yeah, medium. She, yeah. Yeah. She's visiting a medium mm. and she believes that this medium is connecting her to her, her husband and he's talking to her. I don't know why they are mediums, but they aren't smalls or larges. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. That was a dumb that was a dad joke. That was good I'm joke. not even a dad. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Um, while this is all going on, I mean, obviously, we uh, we see that that she's got a rough life, that she, you know, she's very intense. Um, but we also see these weird shadows kind of chasing her as she moves. So there's a, there's, a, there's a person that's kind of following her. But when she's at home, there's a shadow of a person kind of stretching down a hallway as she goes to see her mom and the, and the arm is kind of like reaching over to grab her. The arm's not coming up off, like becoming a 3D kind of an arm, mm. but it's just a long shadow kind of following her. So it's, mm. there's something up with her. And uh, uh, her servant is, uh, you know, the house servant is there and she's like, oh, you know, we just lost a cook, but, you know, I was able to find some food in the pantry and I've made a a rare delicate uh, delicacy called pig's feet. Ugh. And uh, they tried to make it sound really fancy, mm. but obviously they have no money. Right. And then the mother takes Daphne to see, the, see the, the, the medium and they go to summon the spirit of the husband again. And Daphne will have none of it. And so she's like, ask these questions that are totally fake. Mm. And the medium's like, yes, yes. Ah. Your father does miss these times. <laughs> and then when they leave, she just yells at her mom because she's like, all that stuff that I said, none of it was true. And the <laughs> medium just agreed with me. So she tries to show that that right. was fake. Uh, and her mom won't have any of that either. So uh, I, think I, I think I'm liking this girl. <laughs> there's, a, there's, there's, there's a rift. And, uh, and she goes to visit her, her dad again. And somehow or another, she gets... She runs into a young man who says that he can uh, kind of show her some things. And is this in a dream? I just have to check it real quick. It is in a dream. So she goes home. She goes to bed. And uh, the the sheets of her bed kind of like form into a person. Mm. And then suddenly she's at her dad's grave. 
and this person shows up and says that it's a brother and that he's going to take her to show her some things. And he takes her down into a crypt. Don't trust him. And in, and in, and in the crypt. It's a trap. And the crypt is this giant mound of rats that's kind of writhing around and she just kind of steps around it. <laughs> and uh, and then sure. she walks around the corner and there's a, like a whole wall of ghouls. Oof. Just kind of like oh, wow. falling on top of each other. And they're, they're all <laughs> like together saying her name. And uh, her brother's like, don't worry. I, I told them you're our friend and they won't do anything to harm you. <laughs> okay, sure. <laughs> and then uh and then all of a sudden she's in a, a weird red velvet room with a with a table surrounded by people that are like pigs and she has to kill a pigling that's on the table. And uh-huh. her her brother tells her that she has to make the sacrifice for everything to be right and she doesn't want to kill anything and he just convinces her that killing things is right. Huh. And so she kills it and then she wakes up. And she's in her bed, but there's blood in her bed. Now, it could be because she killed something. It could be that she's just having natural things happen. Right. Could be any number of things. Sure. Um, but it's interesting. It's neat. I mean, it's not, again, if you think about it, not a lot really happens in this book either. Mm. But it's, 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 it's still somewhat creepy, which is what these books are about. Right. And the Joe Hill line is meant to be the horror that DC, the horror books that DC don't really, doesn't really do anymore. Because mm. um, at one point, horror was really big in comics. Right. And they had a lot of them. They had House of Secrets, you know, House of Mystery, all that stuff. Right. And it's supposed to kind of tap into that. And I, now, think, I think it's really good. The the Joe that. Hill, um, these Hill House books, yeah. have you, of the ones you have been, have been reading them all? I've read, I've read everything except for Lolo Woods. I mm. have it, but I haven't read it yet. Are you... Um, how are you finding the line as a whole? So I'm really liking Basketful of Heads mm-hmm. right now. Um, let's see. What's come out so far? Basketful of Heads. Dollhouse is really, really good. Mm. Um, and, you know, this is just starting out, and I haven't read Lolo Woods yet. So I think there's four books out. Yeah, that's four books. Um, Dollhouse is, is interesting. I said it's really, really good. It's just, it's, I'm going to keep reading it. There's nothing turning me away from that book. I like the art in that book. I like the, the kind of theme of that book. Um, it's as creepy and it's setting its own little thing. Uh, but I think Basketball Heads is probably the best book out of all of them because it's kind of set more in our time. Mm. It's in the 80s, but, you know, all this stuff is, you know, 1800s or earlier. Um, but the other one has, the Basketball Heads has very much um, a Stephen King feel to it, mm. which I like. And then, you know, it's not superhero stuff, so I like to break away from superhero stuff every once in a while. Right, yeah. I do, too. So I'll keep reading this. Now, what am I going to rate this book? Um, I think I'd only give it a four, because it's just an issue one. That's not bad. That's not bad. Right? I'm going to keep going with it. That's pretty good for a a first issue. Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's enough to make me want to keep reading it. Mm. It could could take a, you know, a wild turn and go really bad or really well, but Mm. right Right. now I'm going to keep reading it. And the last book on my list is for Image Comics. I grabbed this off the shelf because I was just looking for stuff to review. It's called The Marked. And the story is by David Hine and Brian Hablin. The art is by Brian Hablin. Haberlin? H-A-B-E-R-L-I-N. I think it's Haberlin. Yeah. It's Haberlin. I think. Colors are by Gerard Van Dyke. G-E-I-R-R-O-D. Gerard. Mm-hmm. Letters are by Francis Takanaka. Takanaka? T-A-K-E-N-A-G-A. Sounds oh. close. Um... Wow, there's, a, there's an app for this comic. Get the companion app to really? see how this comic was made. View behind-the-scenes content and much more. Go to experienceanomaly.com 
hmm. slash marked. Wow. Oh, it appears to be a sub imprint of Image Comics hmm. called the Anomaly. Is it the Anomaly? Maybe fear anomaly. That word, the whatever te- whatever whatever font they're using for that word above above anomaly is not easily read. I so this book is about a young girl, a young girl who is a very good artist. Hangs out in a coffee shop. She goes in, and um, the lady who works there is like, "Oh, these people dropped off all these flyers. It's a it's a draw draw what you see." And then send it in, and we might take you in our school. Oh, I remember those old things. Yeah, right. They make a, but but this one is, is it doesn't say, can you draw Terry the pirate? It, or like, right, yeah. what is that you remember? The, oh, the, Terry the, the turtle. Tur- yeah, yeah, Terry, Terry the, the turtle, turtle and yeah. the pirate. Right. Um, instead, it says, draw what you see. And so she looks at it, and she's like, the the lady who gives it to her says, oh, this is a lady with a you know with a really big hairdo. Mm. And uh, so the little girl's like, oh, I can. There's actually something else there that 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 I can see. And um, she draws a picture of a phoenix. That's on this page here. I'll show you. She draws a picture of a phoenix, and the other woman's like, "I don't know how you see that phoenix, but uh, you know, it's a really good drawing. So you should, so you should send it in for you being creative." Hmm. Turns out that that is a test for people who can see beyond the veil, ah. right? Mm-hmm. And so she goes and gets accepted to what she thinks is an art school, and she meets the butler, the guy who answers the door, who kind of looks look like. Uh, the butler from the Adams family, but they call him Lovecraft, and he's just like. <clears throat> so we quickly find out that this school is like a school of magic, but it's not for magicians. It's for people that um, have magical tattoos. Uh, so she gets that. She get the little girl ends up getting the phoenix tattoo to her back, and it's her. It's her avatar, and she meets all these other kids. And this is gonna be a really quick review because I did not like this comic at wow. all. Um, wow. Basically, long story short, it's like uh, every other show you've seen where it, it's like a mysterious school, and I go and I meet the other kids, and mm. there's one that's bad, but I'm not bad, right? and I got drawn into something I shouldn't have got drawn into, mm-hmm. and oh, look, I'm obviously, I'm obviously being written for HBO or Netflix, <laughs> <laughs> but the girl gets, gets convinced to uh, try a form of tattoo magic that's considered dark. And she gets in trouble for it, but the Aren't girl always, yeah, the girl, the girl who talked her into it gets expelled. Um, I just felt like I this was like the magic order, or and like I said, and it felt like it was any other number of things that I've either watched on TV or read before, right? Um, so the artwork's not bad. The artwork is not bad. I also feel that the artwork is not great. <laughs> yes, it's it's. And also, this is like a really, the, the main character is such a young girl. She's drawn to be like such a young girl. Mm. And then when she goes to bars and hangs out and stuff like that, it's just odd. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That does. Yeah. So uh, I read that. I read this. I read this yesterday. And I, I was so, I, was, I almost didn't bring it to review it. But I'm like, yeah, I read it. I'm also telling everybody I hate it. So <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it can't all be winners, right? Yeah. So I'm giving this a one. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Realistically, I I should probably give it a uh a, a a three because the art's not terrible. I don't like the art. The story's not terrible. It's just not original. Right. I'm giving it a one because I feel like it's really not original. That's fine. Yeah. There's, I mean, if that's how you feel about it, then there's no reason to give it a three. Yeah. If it's really not, I just if I hadn't again, I'm gonna sound like I'm I'm, I'm a skipping record here. But if I if, if uh, it's just something that it doesn't sound that 
There's a secret. There's a, there's a secret that that that, that you know these, these tattoo magic users that goes back of to the beginning of is. time, right? And guess what? There's another organization. Of that's, course, there <laughs> is right. That's going up against them as being run by the government, and yeah, it's it called doesn't... the Stargate because we can't think of another name. <laughs> it doesn't sound all that. And people like that movie, right? <laughs> sure. <coughs> and the series. Um. Now, I like tattoos. I don't love tattoos. Uh, I know there's a tattoo culture out there that 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 you know that this book is probably you know geared towards. Mm. I like characters in comics that have magical tattoos. Like mm. this is a tattooed man from DC. I yeah, think it's interesting. Do I want to read but a I whole feel like book it's about been it? Done. Yeah. So, I mean, if I told you this was a book about magicians, you would feel more like you'd seen it before. You know, yes. It's like, oh, it's a magical school, mm-hmm. magical bad guys, right? And and really, if I'm going to read a book about tattoo people and tattoo culture, I'll stick with Pearl. Yeah. Which was good. Yeah. 100%. Yes. It is a much better book. Mm. Yep. Mm-hmm. But then again, that was also, was it a Bendis book? Yep. It was a Bendis book. Mm-hmm. Right. And um, the, the art, oh, shoot. I love the artist on the book, and his name escapes me now. Oh, the artist in that book? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know he's in Pearl. Yeah. yeah. He's one of my favorites. All right, so. So that's the end of my reviews. Okay. So, my turn. Now, as I said, I I am not going to review any books this month, but I have a hefty page, a hefty um, bit of notes from the world's greatest sidekick, Paul, who wanted to participate. So let's, uh, let's get to it. And as I said with, with the, his Thor bit, uh, the rest is other... Reviews are a little longer, yeah. But I'll, um, if not word for word, I'll do them as close as possible. Mm-hmm. So his first three books are kind of, um, they go together, and that is the it's Ruins of Ravencroft, which is a series of one shots or mini series. It's or- a it's a bunch of one shots in a short mini series. I. Th- I'm not 100 percent about miniseries. I think it is. Right. Like a, I think it's a three issue miniseries and other one shots. It's yeah. It's like one shots, but there's an order to them. Yeah. It's kind of like the um the 2099 stuff. Yeah. You were just you reviewed. Yeah. Um recently. So this is Ruins of Ravencroft Carnage, Ruins of Ravencroft Sabretooth, and Ruins of Ravencroft Dracula. Yeah, I want to hear about that one. Okay, so we will start in order apparently, uh, with Ruins of Ravencroft Carnage. And it is written by Frank Thierry. Um, artist is Angel Unzueta, who did the modern-day artwork. And Gio Villanova, who did the flashback artwork. Colors by Rachel Rosenberg. Letters, VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, cover artist, Gerardo... Sandoval and Romulo Fajardo Jr. I'm sure I butchered that. And there's a variant cover by Ariel Olivetti, who is one of my favorite artists. Um, which I don't know if God or not. Oh, um, yeah. I don't know who did it. But it's an old timey guy, yeah. an old timey witch hunter guy in the cover. Regular one. The other two are variant covers. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> um, and of course, his first note is this takes place after. Absolute Carnage, 
which I did. I read the first issue and I was all set. I don't know if Paul <laughs> read the Absolute Carnage or not, but uh, I think he read the whole thing. That was another one which I I they really need to stop doing this where they have the main miniseries and then there's Absolute Carnage this and Absolute Carnage that and blah blah blah. blah. Just you don't even understand the insanity that's going on with Marvel right now as far as mini mm. mini crossovers. Yeah. I, I just, I, oh, I went off on <laughs> with a customer about the other day because of you know, what's going on. It's nuts. Um, all right. So, <clears throat> flashback. Issue one takes place during the first settler's arrival. Uh, story opens with the demolishing of old Ravencroft building. Uh, looking on the process is John Jameson, also known as Mer- uh, Manwolf. So, that's kind of cool. And Misty Knight, even though he wrote Missy Knight. Manwolf is all over the place these days. Mm, making a comeback. Um, and they are to take over the new Ravencroft Institute. Uh, then Mayor Wilson Fisk, who I can't believe he's still the frickin' mayor, uh, shows up. A page later, construction crew member alerts them that they found something. Flashback, New York, 1400s, to where Ravencroft would eventually stand. Um, it is a patch of barren earth in the middle of the forest, where in the middle of the barren earth is a shrine. The natives avoid this place at all costs. The shrine was built by cannibals. Uh, the settlers arrive. Natives warn them of cannibals. Everybody avoids said area. The story shifts to a pilgrim couple, Cortland and Molly. Such a fine couple. You wrote that in, <laughs> in parentheses. <laughs> uh, until Molly, picking flowers, loses track of where she is and ends up in Cannibal Central <laughs> and disappears without a trace. Uh, Cortland goes to town to rally a search party, but when the town folk find out that the, the cannibals, now called the Others, is this lost? Um, took her, uh, none joined to help Cortland. So Cortland goes off by himself. He finds a cave with what? Molly's shoe with blood on it. (laughs) Uh, then he gets attacked and bitten by a cannibal. The cannibal then gets a rock to the head from Molly. (laughs) He wrote, he wrote, it's a rock to the noggin and then crossed out noggin and put head. (laughs) He should have kept noggin. Um, after a brief un- reunion, Molly points to an entrance deeper into the cave. He explores, finds remains of animals and humans, then finds cave drawings of creatures similar to venom. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> I think that's actually the that null god or whatever his name is. Remember when the remember when they found cave drawings of Batman? Not yes, I, I do. Not to find cave drawings of venom. Yes. Good times. Mm-hmm. 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 Um, what was it? Ooh, look, there's a cow covered in venom stuff. <laughs> and a monkey covered in venom stuff. <laughs> um, it's a cat. So he finds uh, creatures similar to venom with spiral markings. Then one panel shows a scream. I don't know if he means scream. The no, character. it's a scream. Oh, an actual. It's an actual scream. Yeah, you can't walk them. She does that. She has to know what's going on. <laughs> oh, it's an actual scream. Yep. Okay, well, he spelt scream with a K, but that's why I was confused. Okay, an actual scream. Cortland comes out head to toe in blood, but his eyes 
have the carnage spiral it in is. them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Molly rides back into town. Uh, it's rough. Cortland follows her. Um, um, when someone asks him what happened, he goes on a massive killing spree, repeating, God is coming. Eight people died. Cortland, not, underline, not one of them. Um, he did take a few hits from firearms and lived. So they built a shack slash jail on the barren patch to hold him. At uh, at this point, they reveal his last name, Cassidy. Ooh. Ooh. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm surprised. I didn't think a cat was going to leave. Sure, she'll be back. <clears throat> um, the first mass murderer in the new world. Cassidy, mm-hmm. the first mass murderer of the new world that, mm-hmm. that we know of. Yes. <laughs> Cortland Cassidy. Mm-hmm. Um, Molly would continue to visit him. Good old Molly. Wait for it. Last name, please. Ravencroft. <laughs> what? <laughs> and a, f- a few days later, um, a search party comes looking for Molly, uh, finds her in the jail. Ed. Ooh. Um, in the nearby woods, Cortland joins the others, never to be seen again. Bye, Cortland. So, the previous tale was from the journal of Jonas Ravencroft, yep. the original founder of the Ravencroft Institute. Fisk picks up the journal from the rubble, but Misty is not having it, um, and her gloved hand snatches the book from Fisk. Enter! Mr. Fantastic. Ooh. Woo. Actually says woo. Ben filled in Reed. Reed came to investigate for himself. Fisk takes the book back. Crew members come out. We found something else. Misty takes the book from Fisk again. Uh, Crew worker leads them to an underground facility. What? Mind blown. Oh, Paul. That's good. That's good stuff. That's good stuff. So, now, on to issue number two. Oh, does, of- he, does, does he, does he uh, rate these individually? Is he rating them as, a, as, a, as he, a whole thing? He will rate them as a whole afterwards. All right. Issue number two. Runes of Ravencross Sabretooth. Same writer. Frank Thierry. Artist of the modern day is the same. Uh, Angel Unzueta. Uh, the flashback artist is Guillermo Sana. Colors, letters, cover artists all the same. There's a variant cover by Suyon and Frank D'Armada. So, this issue takes place between modern day and the past as the previous issue. The story starts in the modern day. Uh... Misty Knight, John Jameson, and Fisk, and Mr. Fantastic, what a team, are exploring the underground facility. That seems to be a research wing under the hospital. Then they come to a door marked Unwanted. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And like every horror movie, they disregard it. (laughs) Of course. (laughs) Um, Go figure. Smartest man in the damn universe. Most cunning criminal kingpin. See what he did there? He wrote, see what I did there. Uh, Walk into an empty room and ticking starts. Unbelievable. 
They wouldn't do well in a D&D campaign. <laughs> That's too funny. Uh, oh, right. Back on track. Story cuts to yesteryear, starting around the 1700s, with a brief trip through, through to 1909, when Ravencroft is up and running. Jonas Ravencroft recounts his run-ins with various people. Wait, wait, wait. Hmm? Hmm? Okay. He skipped a part, a part here, but maybe he meant to do that. Oh, did he? Yeah. Um, well, it's got the 1778 Captain America. Oh, huh. Interesting. Um, da, 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 da. so, uh, G- Jonas Ravencroft recounts his run with various people. Sir Percy of Scandia, Dr. Essex, uh, for those who don't know, that's Mr. Sinister. Dr. Claudia, we'll get to her in a bit. Victor, Sabretooth. And Logan, because you can't have one without the other, folks. Just saying. <laughs> Remember, this is all what Paul wrote. Um, at, at this point, Logan is lobotomized and experimented on by Dr. Essex. Okay. Claudia decides to help get Logan away from Dr. Essex until they run into Victor. Yeah, like we didn't see this coming. <laughs> Logan and Victor tussle, revealing Logan's claws. Claudia forces Logan to run away. Wait, what? She turns to Victor to cover Logan's escape. Victor explains to her that his that he has a fast healer also. Um, Victor asks if she, in turn, is also a fast healer by her last name, Russell. Sound familiar? Yep. Maybe to old schoolers. At this point, I'm like, yes, Russell. Werewolf by night. Oh, right, right, Jack, right. Jack Russell. Jack Russell. Yeah, right, 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 right. Uh-huh. Um, to Victor's surprise, she replies, you'd be surprised. <laughs> That's a weird sentence there. Uh, then turns into a werewolf by in night. front of him. <laughs> yeah, old school plot twist 101. <laughs> she proceeds to attack Victor in wolf form. But Dr. Essex f- hits her with a tranquilizer from behind. Nice. That was me. Not- oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Next morning, Dr. Ravencroft gets her resignation, uh, but doesn't really accept it. He feels there's something else amiss with Dr. Nathaniel Essex. Told you. After that day, Ravencroft never trusted Essex again. Oh, that's sad. <laughs> Back to modern day, the unwanted came up from the floorboards and attack our four heroes. I use this term very loosely when Fisk is in the room. (laughs) So they battle and escape the trap. (laughs) Now on to issue number three. Ruins of Ravencroft, Dracula. Um, So, of course, writer, artist, colors, letters, it's all the same. Except the flashback artist is Stefano Landini. The variant is a variant cover artist, Greg Land, Jay Liston, and Frank D. Armado. Now, here's an interesting thing. <clears throat> I've heard many negative things about Greg Land. It's terrible. Um, however, Paul apparently is a fan, at least in this case. Uh, because he said, let's start here. Out of the three variant covers, this is my favorite. The artists, in my opinion, did a tribute to Gene Colan, unlike any other. Well, he did do a tribute to Gene Colan, unlike any other. 
I would have to I would have to argue that point. <laughs> Inez, not he he really loved this color cover. He it's was not a bad cover. He was telling me, about, it is, but it is Greg Land. It is Greg so Land. So it's Greg Land. Um, it looks almost and looks almost feels like Mister Colin did it himself. For that, I say thank you, Mister Land, Lyson, and D Armada. Now that I must disagree with because I look at that cover and it just looks like Greg Land. I mean the. The the Dracula itself is somewhat how uh, Gene Colan would have drawn him, not in the sure. same style, but the same pose and right. all that. Yeah, again, and, all that. And Greg Land likes to mimic. Well, let's say mimic the style, well, not the style. That, he likes to. He, he copies put, people. He copies yeah. people. So I bet you this and, is. I bet you this is exactly a Gene Colan drawing that he just traced him. That that's very possible. I don't want to say that, but no, I feel, but I feel that way. That's kind of what Greg Land <laughs> is known for for doing that like trace I don't want to say tracing. I bet we can find we bet we can find all three of these poses and images in comics somewhere else and Oh, definitely. Yeah, guaranteed. So. Guaranteed. Good job, Greg. <laughs> but a lot of his stuff he'll like use people use photo inspiration all the time, which is fine. But he goes a step further with his photo inspiration. I mean, like he just straight up uses porn. (laughs) (laughs) He's been known to, but he'll kind. I don't like. I said I don't want to say trace over it, but that's kind. Anyway, um, all right, Marvel Maniacs. Let's dive into number three. But also, I do have to say I, I disagree with you, Paul. I'm sorry, but I don't find that cover that great. All right. In the modern day, Reed and Jameson prepare to re-enter the room of the unwanted. Surrounded by shadows before they enter, Jameson wolfs out. Yep, he does. Ah, <laughs> uh, very nice, very nice. Yes, yes. Um, the shadows who are surrounding them are revealed to be Misty Knight, Iron Fist, Luke Cage, Falcon, and the Winter Soldier. Who took the journal of Jonas Ravencroft while flipping through the journal? They tell everyone he was there when it went down. Dun dun dun! I was there. <laughs> when this happened. Jonas's thoughts of what was, is, and the future. Um, another brief trip through time: 1918, 1923, 1932, with Flash. Oh, with flashbacks of Master of the World. Al Capone, Silas Burr, the Skinwalkers, even the God of Mischief himself, until settling uh, in 1945. Seeing all that? Yeah, I am. Mm-hmm. That's all in here. Where Dr. Essex went to Germany. Now, Professor Thornton is working with Baron Blood. Baron Blood, you know who that is? Yes, I do. Yeah. Of course I do. Interesting. Very interesting. Um, and a certain count from Transylvania. Hmm, wonder who that could be. To cure all vampires of their weaknesses. Oh. Meanwhile, Captain America and Bucky break in looking for a childhood friend of Cap's, who was a lab rat turned into one of the unwanted. His friend was a rat? (laughs) (laughs) Just kidding, just kidding. Uh, Bucky heads out to find Cap's friend while Cap battles Drac. Until... Baron Blood butts in. Dr. Ravencroft confronts Professor Thornton to the point where he unleashes the unwanted on everyone. During all this, Bucky re- 
reunites with Cap and told Cap his friend didn't make it to spare Cap any hardships. In in the end, Professor Thornton and Ravencroft square off with Ravencroft holding a gun to Thornton's head, then turns the gun on himself and pulls the trigger. Back to the modern day, Jameson and Misty Knight recap journal, the journal while standing in the new Ravencroft Institute. Now, I should have mentioned this first off, John Jameson is there as security per Mayor Fisk. If he doesn't do it, he'll be charged for what he did under the influence of Carnage during Absolute Carnage. Mm -hmm. Oh, gee, I missed that. No, I remember. I think I read a little about it. Anyway, uh, Misty Knight is the warden slash counselor. Back to the story. Jameson and Knight go outside to greet the new inmates. Lovely bunch. Also, Mayor Fisk appointed a consultant, none other than Norman Osborne. Oh, my God. Dun, like, dun, the whole world dun. knows he's a criminal now. Know, How the heck does he oh, Because the yeah. mayor hired him. Because, right. Um, in, then he writes, Paul writes, in the immortal words of Stan Lee, enough said. <laughs> Oops. Then he wrote, your option to reveal the Osborne, reveal Osborne, it's a huge spoiler. But we already said spoiler warning at the beginning of the show, so there you go. Okay, now for his ratings. Issue number one, couldn't get past the fact that Carnage, couldn't get past the fact of Carnage during the Pilgrims. Three Infinity Stones. Ooh, good. <laughs> issue number two, the Sabretooth issue. He gives that one a four. Four Infinity Stones. Uh, Dr. Claudia Russell was a very nice surprise. Huge werewolf by night fan. Yeah. Okay. Issue number three, the Dracula issue, gives that five infinity stones. Ooh, bold. Bold. It started off kind of slow, but picked up more, picked up momentum every issue. You really like the series, and you can't wait for the next series. There's another series coming. Yes. Just wanted to use the word series again. What? 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 You look shocked. What? Overall, full <laughs> gauntlet. Paul, you don't understand full the rating system. Gauntlet. You, you gave it a three and a four. And <laughs> For the whole series, a full gauntlet. <laughs> All right. He's. he's He's going to listen to this episode, so, yeah. so go easy on him. I think, Paul, you should have probably said a five <laughs> mm. for the whole series. Mm. That's my personal opinion. Yeah. Um. Okay. So um, his next thing was Thor number one, but we already covered that. Yeah. So now his final book is Atlantis Attacks number one. Of one? It's only one issue. I don't know. I was more a question. I have no idea. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, and it probably doesn't matter. (laughs) So this is this is going to be a very um short review. He did not get into the story. Here is what he wrote: Atlantis attacks. I'll state right now, big Namor fan, but even he couldn't pull this off. (laughs) I couldn't even finish it. (laughs) <laughs> Too painful. Uh, overall rating, I can't give it any Infinity Stones. 
I couldn't even give it a pile of Pip the Troll <laughs> cigar ash. <laughs> Hell, if this book's caught if this book caught fire, it would be a mercy killing for the reader. <laughs> and that's his review of Atlantis Attacks. But I, I just love how both Paul and I, our last book was like, yeah, this is trash. <laughs> <laughs> Actually, I didn't even, I, he didn't even write down the, oh. the, the, there you go. Um, it doesn't look very exciting. It, it is to be continued. So it's not a one shot mm-hmm. and it's all, it's, it's got a lot of Hulkling in it and they're leaning hard wow. and the, they're leaning yeah. hard in the Hulkling right now. They're well, just like, he's, he's got the, um, he's, he's going to be part of empire with a Y. Yes. Empire. That's what it was. It. Mm. You always have to say empire with a Y. Empire. I got the old um, Queensryche song stuck in my head. <laughs> I did too, but I wasn't sure. I, want, I can't wait to read this. Okay, so Atlantis Attacks is written by Greg Pack, who actually I like. Greg Pack? Yeah. Pack. 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 Might be Pack. Yeah, you might I be right. Pack. Who, who's, I, he's, he's he wrote a great Hulk writer. for a long time. He, not only did he write Hulk, he wrote um, Planet Hulk. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so same thing. He wrote the Hulk. Yeah, but, but Planet Hulk, Hulk is one yes. of the you know one yeah. of the best. He wrote that great storyline. Yeah, yeah. Um, the artist is Ario Speedwagon. And in Dito, color artist is Rochelle Rosenberg. Letters is VCs Joe Sabino. VCs everywhere. They I think they basically do all of Marvel's lettering. Yeah, VCs. Um, which is um. Oh, who did who who created VC? Can't remember now. Anyway, it was it it it's a big name, and he he created VC, and I don't remember what VC stands means stands for. Victor Creed. <laughs> no, <laughs> no. But anyway, I'll have to look that up for next time. Um, cover artist is Rock He Kim. Okay, and there's a hidden gem cover by Bill Everett and Chris Sotomayor. And a variant cover by G Young Lee, Ron Lim, Ron Lim, and Israel Silva. Yeah, Ron Lim's doing covers here and there. And this is the variant. Is the Ron Lim one? I can't tell, I think, maybe? I think so. I'm going to look yeah. at it real quick. I think it is. Yeah, that's him. <sighs> yeah, that's the signature right there, too. Yep. Isn't it? Oh. Oh, I got yeah. it. Um, yeah, so Paul did not care for this. <laughs> And gave it zero, he gave it an empty gauntlet. (laughs) (laughs) An empty and useless gauntlet. So there you go. Um, And I don't know. He let me borrow these, so I might read it, that one, to see my thoughts. Just how bad it was, yeah. Yeah, just to see how bad it is. I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll enjoy it more than he will, maybe not, who knows. All right, so that is... It for our reviews for this month. So there you have it, kids. That was part one of the monthly comics cast for January, featuring reviews by Dario, myself, and our special guest, world's greatest sidekick, Paul. So tune in next week for part two of the January monthly comics cast in which dario and i will be discussing rise of the midnight suns until next week good night everybody thank you for your cooperation 
If you would like to contact the New England Society of Geeks podcast, you can do so by emailing us at nesogpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at nesogpodcast. And you can find us on Instagram at nesogpod. In addition, you can find us on Facebook at our New England Society of Geeks page. And while you're at it, we would really appreciate it if you could give us some ratings or reviews on wherever you listen to us. It would help other people find us and enjoy us as much as you hopefully do. We thank you all for listening. 